This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Thoughts and Talks with Tishley. My name is Tishney De Silva and I'll be your host for this mini-series. On Thoughts and Talks with Tishney, each week we'll talk to a different guest about their experience and their perspective on COVID-19. A huge thanks goes to ORFM Dunedin for giving me this opportunity. Hey guys, welcome back to Thoughts and Talks with Tishney. Um, today I'm so excited about this interview because I get to talk with one of my favorite teachers from high school, Tago Girls. If you guys hadn't heard in the first episode um, with my best friend Kelsey, we talked about how we loved our high school experience. And mostly it was because of the high school teachers we had. They were just incredible. And one of these teachers I get to interview, which is amazing. Um, she, even though she didn't teach me um, in a subject, um, she was the junior production coordinator when I was year nine. And she was one of the most friendliest, warmest, and outgoing teachers that I have ever known. She's just an incredible teacher, guys. And now she's an assistant principal. I right? am. Oh. Yeah. Amazing. So I graduated five years ago from high school, and I, when I emailed her, I was so unsure she wouldn't like she didn't remember me because I mean five years ago she would have had like a hundred thousand students, right? And I was just like, I'm just gonna shoot my shot, even if she doesn't remember me. Like she, she'll say like she remembers me, right? But when four minutes later she e- like emails me back saying, of course I remember you, and I was like, oh my god. <laughs> oh, I was so happy. And I can't wait to interview you, Mrs. Dick. So without further ado, Mrs. Catherine Dick. Hi. Hello. How are you? I'm really good, thank you. Oh, oh that's so it's nice. Spring, it's sunny. It's good. For it's the good. most part. Introduce yourself. Well, um, I've been, as you said, I'm from Otago Girls, and I've taught there for the last 26 years, so most of my teaching career has been uh, spent up on Tennyson Street, and I don't regret a thing about that. I still love the school. Um, It's having its 150th year. Uh, Next year we're having our 150th. It was supposed to be at um, on Waitangi weekend, but unfortunately because of COVID, uh, we've put it on to Labour Weekend next year. So shout out to all the ex-girls if you're listening. Sign up, talk to uh, Mrs Smallfield and the alumni team because, um, yeah, we're having our 150th, the oldest state school in the Southern Hemisphere. So there's a plug. Awesome. <laughs> i got to ask, how do you remember me? It's been five years. Well, I guess um, you, you said junior production, but yeah. actually... The thing I remember you most about is your absolute tenacity and desire to achieve. Um, because when you were at school, I would have been the head of English. Yes, you And were. you were so passionate about your studies. And so we'd often be talking about the kind of people who were, I guess, throwing themselves into their work and were determined... Um, not to settle for second best, and you were always you. You had a reputation for being an extremely hard worker, and um, yeah, I think it's probably your English studies and your passion, and your yeah, your desire for excellence. Actually, Aww. that is most memorable. Aww. 
That makes me so happy. Keep telling me more. No, <laughs> I got asked, what is the hardest thing about being a teacher? Gosh, um, I think sometimes it's hard to switch off. So you actually mm. spend your whole life as a teacher. You never, ever finish anything. Um, there's always something to do and, you know, you. I think even, you know, science, maths, any subject, I think, um, well, I, I think the best teachers keep on looking for ways to engage students outside the classroom. So even if we're watching the news or we're out with our children or going to a, um, a play or an art gallery, we think, oh, this would be really good for mm-hmm. Tishney. This will inspire her. <laughs> and so I think um, we don't often switch off. And I think looking at my colleagues now, probably we need more teachers. Yeah. So um, we need to spread the load a bit because the demands of teaching now, um, the different aspects of pastoral care, like looking after the, the whole student, has become huge. Uh, it's just the way society is. And I'd really love to see the government investing in more secondary school teachers yeah. so that um, people are not working, like teaching five hours a day. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't always happen, but you can have five teaching classes in a row uh, if you are um, a, a teacher. And um, that's that's really hard to maintain yeah. week after week, month after en- month. Do you enjoy it? I love it. Absolutely love it. After 20 so I years? I went kicking and screaming into it because I actually wanted to go into broadcasting. Oh, you would have um, been great. Yeah, and, and then I got into teacher's college in my, and I think I was up in Auckland having a really good time. And my parents said, you've got into teacher's college, you must come home. And I thought, oh, okay. Um, And and, but I just as soon as I got into the classroom, it was just never looking back. Yeah, Yeah. you're just you're just an amazing teacher. Well, young people are good and cool. Yeah, yeah. and ninety nine point nine percent of our youth are amazing people, and our country is in really good hands. When I look across the classroom, look across the school, Mm. right across New Zealand, there are amazing young people out there. Yeah, definitely. Okay, let's talk about your experience during COVID because I know it was hard for teachers. I mean, it was hard for students, so I can't even imagine how hard it must have been for teachers. So let's get into it. As an assistant principal, um, what steps did you take to have, like, you know, those Zoom meetings and everything that other teachers didn't, even as an English teacher and an assistant principal? Well, I was sort of – I wasn't – an assistant principal at the time. I was um, still head of English, so I assumed that position in term three um, as AP. But I do know um, a lot about what they had to do. And it was huge and it was tiring um, and there were so many things to think about um, in terms of getting things up and running. So we had to think about getting devices out to students who didn't have Chromebooks or um, any access to computers. So that was a huge thing that we worried about initially. We are a bring-your-own-device school, um, but there are still students who rely on the school to provide devices for them, and that's absolutely fine. So we, I know Mr Richards, um, assistant principal, was collecting, yes, collecting all his, all the Chromebooks up and, and establishing, you know, getting them all set up and getting them out to families. 
uh, around Dunedin to make sure that everybody was online. Um, and that was really successful. Um, but there were lots of other things like um, pastoral issues to be concerned about and looking after the wellness and the well-being of our tamariki. Just thinking about um, how they how they are at home, and every other you know every student has a different experience mm. and a different family setup. Um, some students are going home to um, you know a big family with you know needing all the Wi-Fi and the mm. devices, whereas others have maybe quieter homes where they can get on with things. So um, yeah. it was you know the needs were different. Um, we started planning in February. We could see that the writing was on the wall. Um, in January, um, not so much. But in February, you know, end of January, we were looking at China and mm. going, who? oh dear, that looks mm. interesting. But um, February, we started thinking about things. So we had to start thinking about um, what sort of platform we'll use for having those lessons and like most of the world we found that Zoom was the most effective way of of running lessons but there were things like um, Google Meet and um, other things that were offered to us but we decided to go right across the staff and student base uh, with Zoom which was great. Um, What else do we have to worry about? Just information from the ministry sometimes came a bit slow I think for the principal or we just had to wait and find out you know what our expectations were how we were going to run classes first in level two because mm. we started off teaching in level two and then but we had to quickly move to lockdown within two weeks and then it was all hands <coughs> to the pump. How how was it to adjust to the first week of Zoom? Well we had to think about and I know different schools did different things but we had to think about I guess the the time, the amount of time that the students would have online. So we had to think about how will we do it so that the students aren't sitting at home for five hours a day, every day online. I know some schools did that, but we chose to, um, the senior leadership team at the time chose to ask the staff to teach two hands-on or you know two Zoom lessons a week. Um, per class, so usually our classes have our senior classes have four hours a week, our year nines have three, and our year tens have four, uh, and that's in your core classes. But obviously, options are a wee bit different. I think they have about three. So um, what we did was we would we we followed the advice of our principal and the senior leadership team, and so as a head of department I would be asking my staff to have two lessons where they lectured or played games or did hands-on stuff with the students and then the students had those other two hours during the week hopefully timetabled we asked the students to sort of stick to their timetable so Mm -hmm. we actually stuck to the school timetable using Google Classroom we said right okay your lessons are going to be so we'd start at the start of the week and go, the lessons this week will be on Monday and Wednesday, period four on Wednesday, period five on whatever day. And then the other two, we're expecting you to go away and do work on your own, um, you know, write up your essays, do your um, 
response to text, whatever it was mm-hmm. um, that we wanted them to do. So the expectation was that we, we checked in and they checked in with us twice a week. Mm-hmm. And that seemed to work really well. And what were what some of the excuses or the stuff that your students said that you knew were like? Yeah, uh, I think most of them were fine. Often there were, there were never any excuses that I that I doubted. Right. They were actually quite upfront. It was more like, oh, "I'm sorry, I slept in," mm-hmm. um, or "I forgot." They genuinely forgot, or um, you know, because it was a, just a different situation being it at home um, and sometimes the technology didn't work yeah. or parents wanted the computer at the time it's not always yeah. you know yeah. um, easy but I, I think um, the the biggest issue I think was sometimes total absence and that was often um, you know that we're, we're the pastoral team and the heads of house we have a house system now and the heads of house are the old-fashioned deans, and they would contact the family and con- well contact the student first, um, and then contact the family and to see what was up and what the issues were. Mm-hmm. And there were all sorts of issues as to why students were turning up, but I think the majority of the students, you know, came on board with it. Yeah. But as with any system, um, you're going to have students falling through the cracks. Um, but you know, hopefully, we picked as many up as we could. Did you notice any students who didn't write their own essays? Because I know, I remember my brother being like, hey, um, can you go over my essay? And I was just like, okay, I'll do it. And then I was just like, okay, I need to change that, need to change that, need to change that. So after that, his essay was not his essay, it was my essay. So how did you... Well, I guess we're we're really lucky we're a, um, a Google school, a Google application school. So Google Classroom allows us and it, and it is it, it's a really tricky thing you're mm. absolutely right um, but what we can do and what we did as an English department was we could have the students working in real time in front of us so on Zoom if it was an assessment and it was actually high stakes stuff oh, that's we good. would have them sitting and we would be watching them and we can actually and if it's on a Google um, document we can actually see them type as they go so they're on Zoom and we can see them. Right. Uh, we can see them, and we can see them typing. That's so. Great. That was quite good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm sure there were there was possibly one or two instances <laughs> yeah. where, where that, when that happens. But that that happens anyway, whether you're out, you know, as you say, you know, your brother yeah. helped you, <laughs> so it's going to happen anyway. And it's um, I uh, helped my brother. <laughs> oh, oh, the other way around. <laughs> He's 13. <laughs> He's in high school. <laughs> oh, bless him. Well, no, I think um, you know. <laughs> It, it was hard with, with lockdown being so early in the year because we have this um, phrase that we use in education calling called Know Your Learner. Mm. And what we try and do at the beginning of the year is find out as much as we can about um, the students through sort of, you know, diagnostic formative testing. And um, if we know a student's handwriting, or not well in the case of Google Doc, yeah. but just the way they, they, they speak and, and how they write, then we can usually tell if things have been plopped in that somebody has you know, helped them with. Yeah. And we can also, of course, go back and ask them if they knew know what the word means. Often plagiarism is something that is... Um, Taken seriously? Well, not... Well, no. Well, they don't know what plagiarism is. Oh. They, you know, they... Yeah. Sometimes they just genuinely don't get that you can't 
actually go and ask someone yeah. to help you or pluck something off spark notes online and plop it into essay it's that's just the, it's part of the learning yeah. as well that's that's yeah um at uni it's the complete opposite if they pull you out for plagiarism like that's it yeah so i found that really hard coming from a not like from a school that didn't really care about plagiarism or anything but we weren't taught about plagiarism yeah. So at uni, they were just like, oh, if that's plagiarism, you're not even going to sit your final exam. And it's wow. like, oh, oh, my God, what? Yeah. Well, we try and um, it, it, I know at, at level two, there's a great standard called information literacy. Um, so that's year 12 or sixth form for those of us who are people that sit school suit. Um, but that, so we, we teach paraphrasing, the difference between paraphrasing and quoting and um, how to cite your sources and things like that. But, um, and we try and do that at, at year 10 as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we, it, it is something that has to be taught and practised. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it's a, I think you know, adults are guilty of it as well. So it's something that has to be, we have to remind ourselves of it all the way through our lives. Is yeah. this my thought or do I need to credit someone? How did you motivate your students during Zoom? Because it must have been hard. Uh, I think um, sometimes it was actually letting them drive what they want to do. So for the first sort of four weeks of it, we were right into it. And then as things started to slip um, with motivational interest, it was asking them how they would like to learn. And often it was to do a game or just a chat. Sometimes mm. they just like to come online and talk to their friends, especially when we were still in level four, and they couldn't see each other and they were in, you know isolated in their own homes. So yeah. um, it was really, I think. So, for example, my delightful year tens, um, I just bundled up a whole lot of books really quickly when we went into level two um, on that week before we went into level four. Um, I just picked up a whole bunch of a book called The Bone Sparrow by um, Zana Freon, uh, an Australian writer, and basically threw them at the kids and said, <laughs> we're going to read a book, because I thought that would be a wonderful way to um, keep things low-key, study a book they can read and respond, um, and it's not too arduous. In Year 12, um, Ms Nielsen came up with the idea of um, changing information literacy, which is the one that I, the sort of the teaching and learning sequence that I just talked about, we um, swapped it with reading responses, reading for pleasure. So at level two, um, the students read and respond to different types of literature. And again, we thought, well, let's not stress our year 12s, let's have them sitting at home and reading, reading for the love of it. Um, and then responding to it and getting four university entrance yeah. reading credits. So we tried, and I know that lots of other subjects would have done the same. We had to rejig our year and think about what can we do under these circumstances and what will work and motivate the students and what do we need to do to, you know, what do we need to put aside and wait until we hopefully get back in the classroom. And, yeah. and thankfully for us, it wasn't too long. Prior to COVID, did you have a teaching philosophy? And did that change after? Um, one of my, when I was going to teacher's college, I remember an elderly teacher, a very, but she was elderly, um, classed me with her 
bony hand and as I was going into teaching and she said, whatever you do, Catherine, whatever you do, uh, doesn't matter what you do, just love those kids. And that's my teaching philosophy. And I think you do have to love teenagers and love people. And if you're not, if you don't enjoy being with young people, um, then get out of the classroom. So, um, and luckily, you know, I I work um, with a staff that I think embody that philosophy but I think when you do that then you are thinking as I said earlier about um, looking for things in your daily life that will inspire and engage young people so my teaching that I did in um, 1994 when I first started at Otago Girls um, is quite different to how I teach now Mm. Um, the some some of the things are still old favourites that I have, um, but probably the way that I do it is slightly different. And I'm looking, and of course we have the wealth of things on the internet. I never had the internet when I first mm. started teaching, so you can find things for the students online that might inspire them, draw them into things that have um, real world yeah. um, connections. Yeah. How was it going back to normal life after the lockdown? With social distancing, was there junior production? Well, we did, well, yes, um, we did have junior production, um, but when we came back, we were in level two and we had a one-way system, so we had arrows on the floor and around the block we could only follow certain arrows so that when we came out of the classroom we weren't immediately going in the opposite direction to everybody else coming towards us. So we tried, if we turned left, everybody was going left and following in a path. So we were staring at people's heads rather than um, having being in that moist breath zone, as yeah. they yeah. called it. So that that was difficult. We um, In Level 2, we didn't have assemblies. So we had a Zoom assembly. So the principal, Ms Miller, would be... Um, in her office with her prefix and then around every classroom in the school would have our um, data projector on and she would be projected into the room. Um, <laughs> so that was a bit crazy. And it, and we were so um, happy to get back into Level 1 to get back into yeah, assemblies and things exactly. again. But junior production um, happened just as we went back into Level 2 for the second time. Um, and that was a bit heartbreaking but what we did how we managed that was that we um, used our parental bubble so only the direct immediate intimate families of the performers on stage could come and be a small audience and we kept it um, under 50 we tried to keep it, the numbers really low and the performers on stage never <coughs> excuse me the performers on stage never interacted with the audience so the um, in the middle of winter the parents had to go outside and wait for their kids while the um, the students got backstage and got changed and then they would go out so we never had any mingling um, that also in the in the audience that night they were all spaced out as well and we yeah. had a um, a data sheet an excel sheet to make sure we knew who was there and we used the COVID app and so it was a big a big issue but luckily the show still went on under different circumstances and it meant a lot of people couldn't come um, but the girls still got to perform which was the main thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, Looking back now, what couldn't you end up doing this year? Your plans change? Um, For me personally, it was um, going and seeing my dad 
um, he was in a rest home, so that was a long time before um, I could see him. And uh, he passed away in June, and I was just so grateful. We were in the middle of level one, and I was able to have the, the funeral that we needed and wanted. So I mean, it was a good thing, and um, even though it was incredibly sad, um, you know, that, that was the hardest thing, was being away from him. But when it really mattered... Um, we were in level one. Thank you to the government of the time. I don't know. We're, we're saying this. We're talking on was it October the fifteenth? It's before election day. We don't know what the outcome's going to be. But thank yeah. you for the current coalition for and the leadership for um, making those choices. Because you know I was able to see my dad, and um, yeah, so that was that was huge. Um, other things, of course, that didn't really affect me, but there were huge sporting tournaments that people weren't able to go to. I know um, one of my students was hoping to be recognised um, and get in, um, could participate in a, a national basketball tournament and be noticed so that she could go to America and, and play there or get into uh, a New Zealand team. And, you know, she lost her opportunity. So there were lots, there was lots of anxiety mm. over that. Mm. Um so yeah, lots of um, things like balls have been um, cancelled. The Year Twelves never got to have their ball this year because it um, it was put off, I think, twice, and then we and then Level Two came in for the second time, and we just couldn't run it. It was there was just too much. Mm. So it was yeah. So there's the the students and young people across New Zealand have lost a lot. This year and this this year's cohort have, you know, been disappointed multiple times, which is heartbreaking. Did the lockdown change your perspective on things, like a, a new appreciation for living in New Zealand? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely, yeah. and I've got you know, friends in the United States and in France and in Australia, and all three of them, you know, I've zoomed with, um, and you know, it's just weird to think that they are still um, having so many restraints placed upon them and we're able to, gosh, go to rugby games or, you know, go to the highlights at the Regent Theatre on the weekend. You know, our life is relatively normal and very grateful. I know you have kids. So what did you prefer, like going to uni? I mean, not uni, going into school every day before or just being at home in your comfort zone and I enjoy, I enjoyed being yeah it was a novelty and yeah. I think um for me I f- I found it okay although I, w- I really really missed my students mm. and um the teaching like the feedback the students would give you you know the conversations and the laughter yeah um I missed because you know you could only have one person talking at a time and although that's fantastic in a classroom, the <laughs> um, you know, normally, but this, the, the energy and the excitement's gone. With my own children, um, yeah, I have um, one at Intermediate, and so he was doing his own Zoom, so we had to go to different um, rooms in the house. And then I have a child who's disabled who sings to his computer all the time, so I had he came on to one of, a few of my Zooms. Um, but again, that was a good thing because the students got to see, you know, this is my life, this is who I am, and yeah. and that's not a bad thing for um, 
students to know that you actually are a human being and you don't actually go back to your closet every night, yeah, you know, shut yeah. the door and then come out in the morning, that you actually do have a home to go to. Yeah. Unfortunately, our time has come to an end. I wanted to go more and ask you more questions, but thank you so much for coming, Mrs. Dick. It Absolute means so much pleasure. to me. Yeah, it's been so great to see you after five years. <laughs> Anyway, and already thank you guys for listening to Thoughts and Talks with Tishni, the third episode. I can't wait for you guys to hear the upcoming episodes with some new fabulous new guests. So stay tuned and goodbye for now. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.